Hey, what's up? Gary Roberts from Good Dudes Grow here. Listen, some of the best CBD made is actually made on small farms, not large corporation-owned facilities. Stay tuned. Our next guest is a small farmer creating the best product he can to give you the best benefit. Let me first start out by saying thank you to Podcast Powertrain for helping produce my show. These are the guys you need behind you if you're looking to start your podcast. Also, I'd like to thank... Powered by Riverside FM. That's right. Our show is powered by Riverside FM, one of the best platforms to actually have a podcast on. So I'm going to have some links at the end of the show or in the show notes. Check them out. These are the two people that you need to get up, get with to make your podcast top 100. The good don't grow. We help you understand the benefits. With CBD and cannabis, yeah. The good don't grow. We remove the fear of the unknown. By giving you all the facts. The good don't grow. We bring the unbiased content from opposing views to give you nothing but the facts. I welcome you to the show. The good don't grow. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Good Dudes Grow. I'm your host, Gary Roberts, and I'm here with John Cedillo. John is owner and cultivator of Family Hemp Brands, which came into fruition in 2018. He had a vision of an organic craft scale seed to sale vertical hemp company focusing on product quality and positive consumer experience. When it came time to create a collection of premium consumer products, Regent and Passion gave John and the Family Hemp brand a unique edge. Combining the unique qualities of the New Mexico high desert region and a well-tuned acumen for cannabis cultivation and breeding brought forth some of the serious hemp flower power. From consumable flowers to effective tinctures, topicals, and more, Family Hemp Brands has become a single source solution for premium cannabinoid-rich products. You're actually my first farmer on the show. Usually I actually have the entrepreneurs who hire the farmers or I have the people using the product, but you're really actually the first person I have with hands in the dirt. So it's going to be awesome to get a little bit of information for you. Thank you. Right on. Glad to contribute. So, so tell me a little bit how you got started, because I know a little bit the history down here in South Florida and how they started and they wanted like a past history of old farmers that started way back when before they could actually grow hemp and CBD. But how did you get started in the whole, the whole hemp products? Yeah. Uh, so, of course, with hemp, uh, it helps to have understood the plant, you know, before just jumping into the hemp, uh, you know, farming game, if you will. And and so that's a little bit of my my history. But, you know, starting from the hemp uh, light forward, you know, I, I got into it as, as early as I could. As soon as it hit my radar, uh, I saw it as an opportunity really to work with a plant that I'm already really well versed in working with. And to do so in a, in a way that you can not only, uh, you know, not feel like you're under possible, um, you know, legal threat, but you can, you can share, you can, you can take up something that you're passionate about and turn that into something meaningful and pass it forward. So that was a huge turn on for me um, to just get involved and get as active as I could. So that being said, 2018 Farm Bill um, allowed our state to a new level of comfort. And uh, those with the the power of, of legislature, you know, took it to the next level, legalized it for our state. And uh, 2019 was our first year planting hemp here in New Mexico. So, uh, you know, you're right in terms of me being a farmer, but 
an entrepreneur, what really made sense to me intuitively right out of the gate was I want to be able to get it to, to the market. Uh, you know, I, I didn't have a depthful experience in taking some, something out, especially to a national market. Um, you know, I have experience in business and, and a history of success. Like it's a different game altogether. Um, so that, that, however, was, I knew going to be a learning curve, but it just seemed necessary. Uh, so that was the model. It was basically a vertical, a vertical integration model. Um, but what really seemed important to me was like a vertical, a vertically integrated company doesn't need to be this, this giant company. I think that that model fits a small craft kind of, you know, minded company beautifully, if you think about it. So that's what, that's what I set out to do was I wanted the sale model that, uh, that I could, I could stand behind and, and be happy to have been responsible for. Right. Right. That's, you kind of have like, I own a CBD company, but I'm in the front end. I don't do the farming. I've talked to my farmer and I'm going to get on two subjects that I want to ask you because I find it interesting. The first one is it's not like just throwing a seed in the ground and dumping some water on it and watching the plant grow like they used to way back in the forties and sixties when you were growing marijuana. It, there's actually some actually you really got to know what you're doing and it's actually really caring for the plants because you, at the end of it, it's this beautiful picture of art at the end. Is that not correct? Sure. I, I love how much passion you have. It's something very much shared for me in with regards to the plant in particular. For sure, um, I, depending on what you're doing and what product you're really trying to take to market is going to drive, you know, how you farm, what techniques, what genetics, uh, those are all relevant. Um, but, you know, for me, knowing that we're doing boutique quality, I, I am a kind of a nut in every other respect for quality uh, with, with how I live my life. And so that's the product that I want to create. It just makes sense. Um, I think that when you give it that kind of care and that kind of the, that that comes through in the finished product for sure um yeah right and, and i love that you said that because when i i created my brand the reason why i created my band my brand is a i didn't start like you said i didn't start because there was a whole industry and i wanted to make millions of dollars i started a on a selfish reason because i wanted to actually get get rid of some inflammation and stuff for fitness but my daughter ended up being addicted to opioids and it ended up passing away on her 27th birthday. And the more I started learning about hemp and the, the ability to relieve pain, I started seeing it as more a product to help people than it was actually to make money. So I believe in you like the small crafted type, because you're not like one of those people that is going to take like the big global guys will take from this farm, that farm, and therefore the quality will kind of get mixed up. It mixed up each time. So you're never sure you're going to get consistency. So you're like one of those craft you look at one of those craft breweries in the basement that started and it creates that awesome beer that everybody loves. And you're not looking to go to the mass markets. You just want a superior product. Is that correct? What am, I, am I getting that straight? Ooh. Consistency of your input material. So many of the manufacturers, they'll buy their same base cream or their same other inputs from the, the suppliers that they use. Inputs are going to be really consistent, right? But with a plant product, uh, you know, and, and, all types of different extraction methods. You have manufacturers who will buy an input of, of CBD oil from wherever they get it. Uh, they may be getting it from a broker who gets it from wherever he gets it. 
Um, so how do you actually really maintain, but then they intersect, um, and therefore the efficacy of your product? How does that happen when the input is under constant change? So not only having a single source input, but we're strain specific. You know, coming from breeding background, there's other, or excuse me, there's other sort of constituents to this plant. So that's the cool thing of you being the smaller guy and the consistent, like you said, and in being able to do that, like you said, you're able to actually, do you do separate different types of cannabinoids? Is that what I got out of the last conversation? Well, I think not just cannabinoids, but, you know, the other as well, you know, terpenes, of course, are a major role. And, you know, I've known that for a long time from an anecdotal perspective. I didn't, you know, I didn't have analytics available uh, years back, but I certainly understood that there's more than just in, a, in that context, you know, mostly just focusing on THC. But um, yeah, you know, the, the whole the whole plant is where it's at. And so using sort of camel bars or camel type the say, hey, we can't prove that the intersection between these particular constituents produce this given effect. But we say so. You know, we can have a couple hundred people say, boy, this really does this for me or this really does that for me. And we can trace that back to, okay, well, what chemical bars did we use, you know, for the particular formula? That's where we're at in place because now, you know, not in-house, but out there, there are the resources for us to begin to verify what we believe, you know, makes our formulations um, different, for sure different. I want to say that's the, well, well, you can use the word better. You know, when you have a superior product, you can use the word better, whatever you want to do, because people like you who create that product, and like I say, like a craft beer, the key to people understanding that they have a quality product, they're able to actually see it from when they buy it and track it to all the way to where they got it. And then you're able to prove those formulations. And that's a key to buying CBD that a lot of people don't get when they look on places like Amazon and stuff like that. So the people who try it and go, you know, that stuff never worked. Well, you probably weren't getting stuff at the quality that people like individuals like you are actually creating to actually really feel the benefit of the plants. Yeah. One of the things that's happened too in the CBD uh, or hemp business as a, you know, economy of scale, a, a, a 13 acre farm, like what we got, been a whole 13 acres planted, just that's our farm size. So, you know, say a 10 acre planted field that made sense a couple of years back. Uh, right now, that doesn't actually even hardly make sense. We have to we have to scale back for that to now make sense for you know my little ten acre farm means nothing. The product is substantially richer in cannabinoid content. You know even if they get a very minuscule single digit return on their yield from from converting you know a, a processed extracted material like that dwarfs whatever my little. Have to rely on the quality of our product to to carry us forward, um, and then I of course have to rely on people that want a product of our quality because it doesn't matter what you create, buy it. Oh well, there you are. You you got a bunch of product. 
Right. And back to the entrepreneurial scale that you were saying, that's the number one key for small guys like you and I. And I, I, I said it the same thing is that we don't want to create that 50 million gallon of CBD oil to where we have to always sell to different people. We want the person that gets the benefit to come back to us and say, you know what? Love your product. I'm going to keep buying for you consistently because A, it works consistently. B, it's your stuff is consistent. And no matter what, I'm going to keep returning. And those as an entrepreneurial scale, that's what we want. We don't want to continuously look for new buyers. We want the return buyers. So we create a superior product. And I, and I think there's always going to be a place in the business for us, um, you know, in the hemp space, because as consumers become more and more educated and you know, their, their decision-making is going to start changing. Initially people are just, all they know is CBD if they even get the acronym right. And so, but now people are light years ahead of that. And I think that they're going to start recognizing, yeah, not all, all the same. Now I have information to really choose what product and, and make an informed decision, not just because it's a CBD product, but what is it that makes that product worth me buying besides CBD? I think that that's right. where things will start to find some equilibrium for small companies. Exactly. Explain it to people listening. And I want people to understand this is a plant. It's not something that you created inside a chemical lab and, and you put a bunch of powders together. Thing. It is a plant. So there is times of the year that you grow it. There is like cycles that you have going on. And that's kind of how you judge how much you actually going to make. Is that correct? Well, yeah, then that's certainly one of the considerations. Um, you know, regional considerations are huge, as a matter of fact, not just seasonal. Um, you know, we're in a unique region. Like in our little strata of up here in northern New Mexico, like we are literally the Hindu Kush region of the United States. Um, you know, we're at 35 and a half degrees uh, that basically crosses our path. We have a high elevation. You know, we're, we're 2,000 feet high. Um, you know, the intensity of our sun plays a huge role. Not only, of course, do we have a lot of it, but the intensity of it. Um, you know, we have a more mineral rich soil than organic rich soil. So, you know, available minerals are a challenge for the cannabis plant in a lot of ways or a lot of uh, other regions. So they're supplementing. We don't. But one of the most factors, you know, characteristics that we have is this delta of nighttime temperature. When our plants are in their flowering period, you know, in September, we could have a 95 degree September day. And it can be 40 or 45 degrees that night. So that massive rapid swing in, in temperature is really important and, and gives us, I think, I'd say, I have to say, a, a regional advantage uh, for driving um, I get to, I get to do it, it's, it's cool. You're, you're, you're kind of like, I'm kind of like when I first got started, listen, I'm a firefighter. Uh, I'm one of those guys that are, that are hands on. So when I, when I first started my business, I, I met a couple of farmers. I'm like, all right, let's start planting some stuff. But the cool thing about it is that you actually like what you just explained, which most people don't understand is that altitude temperatures and all those types of things actually create different types of plants, some stronger, some higher in terpenes. And that's very important, is it not? It, it is, you know, uh, region and, and the environmental sort of created by that region will drive sort of what we want genetics. And so one of the things that happens that, that kind of clued me into our 
our sort of set of circumstances that I, that I find to be special is we would take some, some cuttings of what we really were enjoying working with here and they would make their way to other places, Northern California, Oregon, uh, other, their characteristics are simply different. And though they're not only varied, but that's where I get the information about our terpene profile because we were seeing the exact same cultivars express different terpenes. In, you know, they, they were more or less the same, but there was variation both in the, the number of terpenes and the relevant percentages. So I'm like, wow, that's super weird. What's going on here? Um, and after a few seasons of doing that, it's like, okay, this is confirmed. What, what, what's, what is to this? Um, I actually looked at other crops in, in New Mexico, like green chili has been a longstanding, there's like this weird uh, feud between New Mexico and Southern Colorado and who grows the best green chili. How do you qualify that? Well, I guess through analytics, right? So I don't, I don't have access <clears throat> to analytics from any of the green chili manufacturers and producers in either one of the states. Um, they're not really forthcoming with that information. But anecdotally, and it's not necessarily a bias, I'm feeling like I'm pretty open-minded. Anecdotally, I'm like, well, me and a bunch of other people say New Mexico produces a better green chili, but, but Southern Colorado still produces a, a damn good green chili. So we're like, okay, there's something to this. There's a, a pine nut, we call it the pinon, and it is grown predominantly in New Mexico, a little bit in Southern Colorado, but also in Northern Arizona. So I compared the, the pinon nuts from New Mexico <clears throat> to the pinon nuts from Northern Arizona. And what I found was to me consistent and really like, I guess, confirming for my thought was the pinon nut in New Mexico was actually smaller in physical size, not by much, but, but consistently but it was more dense. It actually had more mass and it had more oil consistently than the, than the pinyon nut out of Northern Arizona. Like what the hell is this about? So what I, I guess I would call it the specific collection of conditions. And, you know, you, every region's got its, its characteristics and its qualities for sure, but there is a sweet spot for certain things. And I mean, there's no wonder that the Hindu Kush region of the world is known for some of the, you know, basically the hashiest type plant production, you know, lots of resin population or trichrome population. And so, you know, we're kind of on that same level. Yeah, you transfer that into the hemp industry. That just kind of it kind of blows my mind when you start thinking about the difference and and where it's grown, how it is. You can take all the same growers, put them in different places, and they'll all create different plants. And that's that's what a lot of people got to understand. It's like if one product don't work, it doesn't mean CBD is not working. You just may not. You just may need to go to another product or find a better product or find a craft person like you that actually creates a product. That's what's actually going to help CBD. Let let me ask you this: How? How intense is the, because you've got a full vertical facility, how intense is it taking the plant and putting it to oil? Is that a long process? Is it a difficult process? Explain a little bit of that so people understand why some of the craft or, or better CBD products out there are a little bit more expensive because they put more hands-on, more care to it. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of moving parts. Um, but, you know, maybe again, pursuit of a, a really truly superior product that I'm like, how do I guarantee that if I'm outsourcing 
the pro- part of the process. That's just, it doesn't compute to me necessarily. Um, and, you know, there's challenges in New Mexico. The qualities that we have are phenomenal, but <clears throat> the challenge, honestly, is we're a small state in terms of population and we're spread out in terms of our communities. So that makes it challenging to find enough qualified people, even a good team that you can build. They don't have to come with qualifications, but to build a team is is a challenge in itself. Got started, it was like, not only are we going to produce oil for ourselves, but we're going to produce oil for other you know, other manufacturers or, or other people in the industry. That was sort of the idea. I did. I truly did not see coming the the transition of scale um, with the, the respects to extraction and, and you know, distillation processes. And so when we were run, you know, three hundred pounds in an eight hour shift. All of a sudden, that was microscopic and meaningless. Um, and what do you that's, you know, it's, it's a tricky spot, but nevertheless, that's one of the challenges that we got confronted with. So I think you just stick to your small scale uh, approach. And are we are we making oil for anybody else? But you know. but again, but again, like I said, and I'll, I'll keep repeating it. And I sound like a broken record. It, it's it's the fact that you have the care to understand that, that you won't destroy your product to try and get there. You would rather back it up a little bit and make sure that it's 100% what you want it, because if it's what you want, you'll pretty much make sure it's what everybody else is going to use. Oh, man, from the soil forward, you know, like to have a truly organic farm, uh, you know, we run it like a farm. We don't run it like it's a cannabis operation. I mean, even though, again, cannabis is this you know there's certain things that just make more sense like in my opinion if you cannabis and you're still growing say in pots instead of in the soil that just doesn't make any sense first of all um you know and and even the best cannabis producers who are using living soil type uh methods they're still growing in containers so we grow in living soil that's actually soil it's the earth that we're planted in and you know that to me, it makes a lot of sense for scale in particular, um, but also honestly, just for for a healthier plant, a, a healthier ecosystem. Like we have other native vegetation, we have lots of trees. We keep, you know, our we, we try anyway to keep our ecosystem as un, you know, interrupted as as possible. Like we leave big strata of natural grasses, uh, some weeds, some running through our field intentionally. You know, this maintains a better quality of, you know, soil sort of diversity because, or, or microdiversity in the soil because we've got a lot more active root in those zones. They give better habitat for a broader range of insects. Like if I mono, it, you monocrop anything, it ain't a good thing. So right. you know, keeping a balanced ecosystem makes a lot of sense to us. So, you know, that's that's how we start our process. And we just carry that sort of mentality all the way forward. So as a farmer and as a CBD and entrepreneur, where do you see this industry actually headed in the future? Do you see it changing much or do you see it going to more of start separating the cannabinoids to get the better benefit of the different products? Or do you think it'll just be pure people stay with the pure CBD stuff? Yeah. So it's hard for me to, to talk about the what's going forward without including you know, a THC uh, factor here. Like, certainly I, I believe that CBD is going to 
maintain and, and increase in terms of uh, use. Uh, and, and I would also imagine that possibly in terms of efficacy, uh, things will, will mature and, and it will probably serve more people more consistently. And I, and I hope that that's how things go. But I think that CBD gave um, a long-awaited birth, a well-overdue birth, to a social acceptance for THC. Um, you know, I think that the latest poll I saw was somewhere around 68% of the United States now feels like it should be uh, legalized. We know that nowhere near 68% smoke. I would love to say that 68% of the Americans smoke, but I don't think that that's true. So, but I think what that conveys is a very small percentage of that <clears throat> who probably are consumers are not the only voices saying, hey, you know, this should be legal. Adults should be able to have access and, and not under threat. So <clears throat> I think that that's the future. Um, I also believe that THC in use with CBD and other cannabinoids is far more effective. The whole plant science is a field that we're going to explore much deeper. We're going to learn a tremendous amount in a really short period of time uh, compared to where we've what the trajectories look like otherwise. Like it's been at a snail's pace or slower ever since I touched the plant over 30 years ago. So I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to see what the future holds, but it's, it's such a unpredictable sort of landscape. I think that it's all gonna come down to the science um, and, and then quality is gonna find a, its equilibrium. I agree with you 100%. I think, I think CBD uh, and the cannabis plants are actually opening the doors. They're going to be kind of like the entry level to all the other plant-based med- uh, plant-based items like the fisilibins, like like mushrooms and stuff like that to help on a medicinal aspect. But I think these these plants will actually change the way we think of plant-based medicine and kind of change our outlook on pure pharma and what this stuff can do and what it's what it's been doing actually for years, which a lot of people know about, and they just haven't actually let it out. Well, yeah. And I mean, and to that effect, you know, in terms of it giving pathway, I mean, again, I being connected with a plant a long time, got into the hemp industry, but I got into the hemp industry because there wasn't space for me to be in, in, in cannabis directly. So, you know, it's still, it's still a cannabis plant differentiated by its constituency. So, you know, we're now in a legal status for New Mexico and, Going forward, you know, family hemp brands will still remain. We're still going to produce our products and take care of the people that rely on our products. And we want to, you know, earn a lot more of those people for sure. But we're also going to put our ability to, to grow at scale. Um, you know, 10, 10 acres in hemp is nothing, right? Not, I'm not saying that we're growing 10 acres of, of you know, THC, or maybe we will. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, if we can produce a superior flower product at a 10-acre scale for hemp, imagine what we're going to do with THC uh, coming th- coming forth. Exactly, exactly. John, I appreciate coming on the show. If people wanted to reach out to you and the Family Hemp Company and kind of get your products or talk to you about how they could wholesale your products for you and everything else, how would they reach out and, and, and kind of see where you're at? Yeah, so uh, brands.com is the the best way to reach us. We've got a wholesale application there that super quick and easy, or you can just reach out and call us too. That always works. I don't mind. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
you know, we, we get people started and get a uh, product in their hands and, and it's a, it's an exciting process to, you know, meet new people and, and start working with, uh, with, uh, with new partners. Exactly. And like I said, if you guys are looking for a quality product that actually helps them, you know, to actually take care of their, their, their products, the way they say they do and use their products the way they say they do, these are the guys you need to contact. John, I appreciate coming on the show. Uh, if there's anything I can do, just reach out. I'm here all the time. I'm sure we'll be in touch a little bit more because I'd, I'd be interested in seeing a little bit more of your products and try and see if I could actually hook it up on our site and help you guys out. Oh, man. Yeah, much honored right there. <laughs> hey, definitely uh, an honor and a privilege to be here and share and contribute. I, I hope that uh, we keep making a positive impact every direction. 100%, 100%. John, thank you. You have a great day. Thank you, man. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'll have some links for you. So if you're interested in starting your podcast yourself, one of the best places to go is podcast powertrain right now they're doing an, an amazing offer for all their course material if you want to actually help get your uh, show ranked all you got to do is go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash powertrain and you'll get all the information there also if you're looking for a platform not sure which platform to use to record your show on riverside fm is the one we use you can also go to gooddudesgrow.com forward slash Riverside. Check them out and you will not be disappointed. Again, thank you for listening to the show and we will see you. Well, we'll see you, but we'll get with you next week. You guys have a great week. If you're still listening to this, that means you gained some type of value. So what we need you to do is leave a review and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode of The Good Dudes Grow.